0: Pet Behavior Consulting Essentials, the essentials for success for those who work with pet behavior problems, with your hosts, Dr. Suzanne Hetz and Dr. Dan Estep, Behavior Education Network. Welcome everybody to this episode of Pet Behavior Consulting Essentials. I'm Dr. Suzanne Hetz and with me is
1: Dr. Dan Estep. Welcome everyone.
0: And if you recall in our last episode of this podcast, we talked a little bit about the term drive as it applies to motivation and also I guess personality traits in dogs. And we talked about even though that term has become very popular and and very ingrained and very much a part of, Um, the dog training literature that behavior scientists stopped using the term as an explanation for why behavior occurs Quite a few years ago, back in the '40s, is that right, Dr. Dan? In
1: the '50s, yeah, and maybe late into the '60s, but early '60s. But now it was beginning to go away in the '40s.
0: And we talked about in that podcast the reasons for that, um, and made the case that maybe the term "drive," like prey drive and pack drive, and some of these other terms that still persist in the dog training literature, aren't. Um, Very useful to us. And why don't you just say a couple of words about why behavior scientists stopped using the term drive and why they didn't see it as a useful um, term to try to explain behavior.
1: The term really came to being into being around the turn of the 20th century when people were concerned about what factors control the moment-to-moment changes in behavior why is it that a dog was interested in chasing a ball at one particular point in time, but then wasn't so interested in chasing the ball at another point in time. And so they developed this idea about drives, these energizing forces that were within the animal that motivated these different kinds of behaviors that they were interested in. What happened was is that they began to study this more intensively. They discovered that simple minded ideas about, you know, there being a single factor that controlled hunting of prey for example or being defensive simply wasn't enough. Things were a lot more complex than that and one simple factor wasn't going to explain it. So the idea of drives fell out of favor as people began to look more into physiological mechanisms and environmental mechanisms that had influences over these particular behaviors they were interested in.
0: So I guess that the term in the dog training world has also been expanded to talk about personality traits, which which was never something that it was used for in the behavior literature. Is that correct?
1: Right. It never was used in that way, um, although people have talked about it in some, in, in some research. But, but for the most part, it's, it's not been used that way.
0: So after that um, previous podcast about um, drives, We had a a very nice response, a very nice comment, very well thought out, quite um, detailed comment from one of our training colleagues here in Colorado, um, Tom Aaron, who runs a, a business called Fetch Masters, and he trains dogs for the field, really trying to focus on positive reinforcement methods as compared to the more traditional methods that involve more Uh, punitive or aversive type techniques and he's beginning to make quite a name for himself across the country and we've met Tom and his wife Linda. They're extremely experienced trainers, very good trainers and because Tom's comments were so um, specific and so um, well thought out, we thought it was really worth a further discussion about this topic. So what we want to talk about a little bit is um, um, some of the comments that Tom gave us and he's given us our his permission to um, use his name and, and to share these with you all and in w- part of Tom's response involved um, coming up with um, sharing with us his definition of of what a of what prey drive means and that's really the first step and and kudos to, to Tom for operationally defining the term in, in the way that he uses it, which may or may not be, generally accepted across the, the field of dog training and even um, field trial dogs or um, field dogs, bird dogs. But his definition of prey drive was um, an innate desire to find, chase, and capture other animals. And Tom maintains, as we'll talk about here in a minute, that there are some ways to measure um, that the intensity of that desire and how persistent and consistent it is. So one question that that we had in our minds about um, an operational definition and really trying to, to drill down and get as, as specific as we can is does prey drive really talk about, does that refer to all other animals? Or is it really just birds that um, field trainers or bird dog trainers are trying to measure that desire to find, chase, and capture birds. In other words, as a good bird dog, does he he or she also show the same sort of motivation to be interested in chasing and capturing mountain lions and boars and squirrels and other small critters, because in um, field training, um, from what Um, little we know of it, you really don't want the animal to be going after the dog to be going after squirrels and cats and other things. You want them focused on the bird.
1: Right, and then remember that there's other kinds of hunting dogs that um, don't do exactly what bird dogs do. You have foxhounds, for example, whose idea is to chase down the fox, but then when they catch him, then they kill him and tear him apart.
0: Well, and, and go ahead.
1: So they're looking at a very different endpoint with those dogs exactly. than they are with a good bird dog,
0: and and that's really kind of some of the meat that we wanted to get into here is because the term prey drive just implies that it's related to predatory behavior, at least to us it does, and predation involves a whole complex of behaviors as Dan was just talking about about um, stalking, um, chasing catching and capturing and ultimately killing and ingesting the prey. That's the the predatory sequence from beginning to end. And yet with a successful hunting dog, or at least a bird dog, people don't want them going all the way to the end of predatory behavior. They actually want dogs to have a soft mouth and, as Tom put it, retrieve to hand, bring the prey back. They don't want them killing the prey. So, again, to us, that's that—that's an automatic point of confusion with prey drive because you're not really talking about the whole sequence of what dogs do with prey, usually, which is the end point of, of killing and ingesting them.
1: Right, it's feeding behavior. It's feeding
0: behavior, exactly. And uh, when we were talking about preparing for this, another good example you give um, was with dachshunds and some of the other breeds who have been bred to hunt, those people who train dachshunds and other um, breeds, they talk about wanting a dog with high prey drive, but dachshunds are bred to kill the little critters that they go after, the badgers and the holes. And you had a great example of one of our um, longtime colleagues, Dr. Dave Chazar, and his work with uh, terriers in Guam to kill snakes.
1: Right, snakes, uh, brown snakes are a real big problem in some of the islands there in the, in the Southwest Pacific. And they will travel from island to island, and when they do infesting these islands, then it could create a lot of problems for the locals. And so they're real concerned about trying to keep the animals from spreading into and out of the islands. So what some folks have done is to train terriers to go into warehouses where they have cargo that's going to be shipped either in or out and to look for snakes. And when they find them, then they're supposed to dispatch them immediately and kill them (laughs) um, with the typical terrier bite and shake, head shake, and so forth. And Dave had a really great film video of this happening and this little Jack Russell terrier streaking around this warehouse going from um, cargo to cargo, uh, occasionally finding a snake, coming up with it, killing it, then racing off to the next uh, pallet of cargo and searching through that as well. So very different sort of behavior patterns than what the bird dogs are being asked to do.
0: Exactly. But those the people who work with those dogs talk about wanting a dog with high prey drive, um, but it has a very different endpoint. So the issue here here one of the issues at least is that there's not really a standard or generalized agreement about what prey drive is and what behaviors it includes. So if you're looking for a bird dog with, quote, high prey drive, that may um, describe a very different cluster of behaviors than a trainer or an owner who works with Dachshunds or Jack Russells and wants a dog with high prey drive. So while Tom says that for his usage, um, field trainers may not include chasing bicycles and killing cats in their definition of uh, prey drive. Certainly in the dog training world in general those behaviors have also been attributed to high prey drive. You know my dog loves to chase balls because he has high prey drive or goes after joggers and people on bikes because he's got a problem with prey drive.
1: All of which just goes to show that the, the term doesn't have a universal definition to it. Everybody seems to use it in different ways. Some people like Tom and his colleagues who are looking for very specific behaviors. Out of these dogs that they can uh, train for and that they can breed for um, uh, is very different than some of the more widespread usage, where it's much more vague and, and um, ill-defined.
0: Exactly. So there could be different operational definitions. There could be fifty or a hundred of them, depending on who you're talking to and for what purpose they're trying to select dogs for. So there's no universally accepted definition of prey drive, but yet it gets thrown around a lot as though everybody knows what everybody else is talking about and turns out we really don't. Um, Another um, type of drive that Tom described that they look for in their dogs is a retrieving drive, um, which is a, a Uh, He describes a different cluster of behaviors, which is an animal bringing a ball or a bumper or um, a bird um, back to its its owner. And that um, there are some puppies selected for the field that he describes will do this right out of the gate. You know, at 8 and 12 weeks of age, will fetch to hand, bring something immediately back to the owner without any prior training. So clearly there are uh, some genetic predispositions that have been selected for in some of these really well-bred field dogs to be able to do that automatically. Right. Um, but interestingly enough, a study way back in the 1960s that both Dan and I remember, um, it was detailed in a, in a the, one of the first books about the Guide Dogs for the Blind by Faffenberger. And way back then when they were... Trying to improve their breeding program to increase the success rate of um, their dogs that that actually made good um, guide dogs. Because back then their success rate was abysmally low. And they found that the single best predictor of a puppy's success as a guide dog as an adult was how reliably and persistently he would retrieve a ball. Now, I don't think we know to this day what the linkage is there, do we? They never pursued that, as far as I know. But the the ability or the interest and persistence in retrieving a ball, um, those puppies that would do that over and over again, turns out those were the puppies that were most likely to um, complete guide dog training and become a successful guide dog. So what the mechanism is behind all that has never been discovered. Um, but the, the point being is that um, those behaviors Tom um, describes as, being, as related to retrieving are a different cluster of behaviors than what comes under prey drive. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what the research shows about behaviors that have been attributed to prey drive. Because you could make the argument that, that bringing prey back to the group um, could be part of prey drive as compared to being a totally different complex of behaviors labeled under retrieving. Um, so let's, let's refresh your memory about what we talked about last time about how data on personality traits in, in dogs are collected. So what people do... The researchers do is they they find some large sample of people and how they find the, that sample we won't go into, but they ask a whole bunch of people about different behaviors in their dogs and whether they're likely to show them or not. Um, is your dog likely to, to fetch a ball? Is he likely to um, kill a cat if he sees it in the backyard? Just as examples. So they compile all those yes and no, um, or likely and unlikely answers from their questionnaires, and through some complicated statistics, they determine how, how and if, if those behaviors are associated with one another. Meaning that if a dog engages in behavior A, like chasing cars, how likely is he also to engage in behavior B, like chasing birds. And then behaviors that are likely to occur together, then the the researchers put those into a, the same group of behaviors that they then give ar arbit, somewhat arbitrary or descriptive label to. Is that a pretty good summary of what happens there, Dan?
1: Right. And for those of you that are statistical geeks, uh, the process is called um,
0: regression. <clears throat> no,
1: no factor it's factor analysis.
0: Amongst. That's right.
1: Factor analysis. And basically what it does is it looks for clusters of correlated variables.
0: So in several studies of personality traits in dogs from these questionnaires, no research has identified a trait that anybody labeled as prey drive for several reasons. First, we go back to what we talked about earlier about predation. It includes Um, A variety of a sequence of behaviors from chasing, stalking, sniffing, to grabbing, shaking, killing, and ingesting. So there's a whole lot of behaviors involved under predation and when they're looking at these behavior traits they try to look at a smaller subset of traits that really hang together. So that's the first problem or reason why nobody has labeled a trait that they um, call prey drive. And secondly, Predatory behavior isn't a personality trait, but instead it's a cluster of behaviors whose goal is to find and consume food. Anything else you want to say about that part? Okay. So... Um, One of the traits that a couple of researchers who you may be familiar with, James Serpell, who's the editor of the book The Domestic Dog, there's just a new second edition that came out not too long ago, and his colleague, how do you pronounce his name? Sue. Sue, spelled H-S-U. They identified a trait that they labeled chasing, which included chasing cats, squirrels, birds and other small animals. So in other words they found through their questionnaires that if an owner reported their dog was likely to chase cats the dog was also likely to chase squirrels, birds and other critters. And the other behavior that clustered with these behaviors was showing aggression to those animals entering a dog's yard. Now this, this um, unrelated to this chasing factor was another cluster of behaviors that was a willingness to fetch and carry objects such as sticks and toys and other things. Balls. Balls. So fetching and carrying seem not to be related to chasing. And that kind of goes back to, to Tom's um, view of separating these behaviors as well into different clusters. So there's some support in the research, Tom, for the way that you um, um, operationally define those. Um, but in the just day-to-day usage of um, dog training language, we've heard people lump all of those behaviors under this vague term of prey drive. So that's the first part of what we wanted to address. Now the second part is about Tom's point about being able to measure and assess specific behavioral tendencies and how to selectively breed for those tendencies. Um, we don't disagree with the potential for that at all and Tom gave some really good um, concrete descriptions of ways that they test puppies and adult dogs to try to measure their motivation, I'm assuming, to um, to be interested in birds and then to retrieve them um, so that they know they can make a prediction as to how easy this dog is going to be to train and what his success is likely to be as a, as a bird dog. So if if you found through your um, uh, experience and, and data, Tom, that uh, a puppy's persistent and consistent, persistent and consistent is the way that we would describe what you um, talked about. Interest in a bird dangled from a string or as a bird wing from a string or as a, a when the puppy has access to it, is predictive of his success in the field as compared to a puppy's only moderately interested, well, then you've, you definitely have a good behavior measure or a good behavior test of the trait that you're interested in. So we would encourage you to start really keeping some numerical data on that, and we'd be happy to have a conversation about that privately with you. But that would be a really big contribution, actually, to the field, to be able to have those predictive data like the guide dogs tried to get years ago um, with their puppy tests. Um So from a, from a really from a scientific or even a logical standpoint, or even just a, a functional useful standpoint, the more precisely you define the trait you're interested in. And geneticists call this a phenotype. Um, and if you want a definition for phenotype, um, we could call it the set of observable characteristics of an individual resulting from an interaction of its genotype with the environment, which is really what you're talking about with these bird dogs and and other sorts of behavior traits, then the, the more precise you are about defining the trait, the more successful you can be selecting for it. So we would think, Tom, that in your case, rather than this sort of vague, overreaching prey drive that we've talked about, include some behaviors that you really aren't interested in or really aren't testing for, Why not be more precise about the trait that you're interested in, which is, I don't know how you would describe it. You're the expert on that. Interest in birds, the the retrieving um, is a little bit narrower, but the the prey drive could probably be refined a bit to what you're really looking for about the the dog's interest in, in focusing on chasing, stalking birds, not necessarily animals in general.
1: So I guess to sum up, our our uh, concern really is not so much with what you what Tom is doing and how he's doing it. It's just the terminology that's being used, and just the term prey drive. Even though it's an easy term, rolls right off the tongue. Um, there's kind of some general feeling about among people about what it is. As we've tried to discuss, it's so imprecise that it leaves a lot of of confusion and misinterpretation. So why use the term at all? You can talk specifically about the traits that you're interested in and and training for those and breeding for those particular traits without ever having to bring up the term prey drive at all.
0: Exactly. That's our view. Yeah exactly and it, and it looks like you've got some really good behavior measures, some really um, good ideas about precisely what you're looking for and and how you Um, evaluate those behaviors. So as Dan said it's it's probably just more the terminology and and thinking about um, getting better descriptions for the more precise work that you're already doing. And as we said before in the behavior literature um, the drive idea was never used to talk about um, personality traits anyway. That's something that's come later um, in the dog training world. So to finish up here, Tom and Linda, we want to thank you both for your response, for the opportunity to discuss this a little bit more in detail because I think it, um, we learn from it. It forces us to kind of clarify our thinking and go back a little bit to the original literature. And I think that's really the, the value of having these discussions is to learn more about other people's ideas and, and clarify. Um, our own thinking about a particular issue. So we thank you for the opportunity for further discussion. And we really think that that's the sort of thing that moves the field forward when people with different backgrounds and different sorts of experiences can engage in dialogue and talk to one another, and learn from one another rather than getting annoyed and defensive. So again, we thank you for this opportunity. Thanks so much everybody. All right, we'll see you again on our next episode.